And good morning. We welcome you today. In this uh, summer, we're in a series uh, going through the books of First and Second Thessalonians. We're in Second Thessalonians now, uh, just two more weeks. And uh, the theme of those books, uh, you, you can sum it up in two words, get ready, get ready. And Paul in Second Thessalonians, well, both uh, First and Second Thessalonians, he's really answering the questions that the Thessalonian Christians had sent to him because he couldn't go there anymore. Right? He couldn't be there physically with them. So they sent word to him and had all kinds of questions about the second coming. And so he's answering those, and this, we especially see that in chapter 2. And in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, he just reviews these major principles that he shared with them. Number one, Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back soon. He's coming back, in fact, any second. There's nothing that has to happen before Jesus Christ could come back again for his bride, those who who are united to him, those who are, are Christ's followers. Uh, in chapter 2, he hits on a new subject, the Antichrist, or as he calls it in chapter 2, the, the man of lawlessness. And the first half of that chapter describes this final rebellion that the man of lawlessness will lead in the world against Jesus Christ. Number three is that God's going to judge him. God's going to judge though the, the man of lawlessness, but all those who follow him in that rebellion. And there's going to be this seven-year period of judgment called the Great Tribulation. And then the fourth principle is that all of us are going to go to an eternal kingdom. We're going to go to the kingdom that we've chosen. The kingdom of our Savior and Lord, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, or the kingdom of self and sin, and Satan. Now, God's revealed all that. He's revealed that this world, this world as you know it, this world you're living in, this life you're living here on, it's going to end one day. Now, it's going to end if you die, obviously, but it's going to end for everyone at some point in time when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. And Jesus said it was going to be soon, all right? Now, it doesn't seem like soon to us because it's been 2,000 years, but what's 2,000 years compared to eternity? It's going to be soon. So the question, the, the, it's, you know, it's good to ask the questions about the second coming, but those are just facts. Those are just details the reality, the really important thing is, are we living for the things of this soon-to-be-destroyed world, or are we living for our never-ending eternity? That's the question that Paul is asking the Philippians, or the Thessalonians, excuse me. Now, Peter asked the same question in his book. In 2 Peter chapter 3, he said this. Now, hey, Christ followers, he's writing. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed, what holy and godly lives we should live. Since this world's going to be destroyed soon, how should we then live today? And you see, prophecy is a... Uh, a, a subject that's very interesting to a lot of Christians, okay? 
And, and friend, God wants us to know. He's revealed these things to us. But the point of prophecy is that it changes our everyday living. See, if we just know all the facts, but we don't act upon it, there's absolutely no value to us at all. Prophecy should make a change in our everyday living. And so here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul's going to tell uh, the, the Thessalonians and the Sarasotans, okay, what we should be doing for in times everyday living. And he's going to mention four main things. And before I get into those four things, just want to tell you a true story. Uh, back when I was in seminary, the, uh, the preaching professor one day said, okay, here's your next assignment. Prepare a sermon that you've never preached before. Prepare a sermon on a passage of Scripture that you've never preached on before. Prepare a sermon, and the main point of it is something new, something fresh, okay? Well, as we started going through that assignment, each one of the students uh, giving their sermon, one day it was Adrian's turn. Adrian stood up, and he said this. My sermon today is, every Christian ought to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The seminary professor, Dr. Killian, stood up, said, wait a minute, hold it, hold it right there. I never knew that. Where did you come up with that? That's amazing. Wait, wait a minute, i got to write this down. What is it now, Adrian? Every Christian should be, should be what? He was being a little facetious. And overly dramatic. He was irritated. That wasn't what he wanted from the assignment. And I just want to warn you that when you go home today, you could have the same reaction to this sermon. Ron, there was nothing new and interesting in that sermon today. I have heard all that stuff before. You didn't come up with any new insight and any new interesting thing in that passage. You know, I was waiting for something. You know, oh, I never heard that before. You might have the same reaction. And see, that just points out the reality that we as humans have a terrible tendency. We have a terrible tendency to know what we should do, but not do it. Let me give you some examples. We know we should exercise. You know that three to four times a week you should set aside one half hour at least and get your heart rate up and start perspiring and you should do that three or four times a week. You know that, right? Now how many of us do it? 
Thank you, three, four, all right, appreciate that. You know that you should eat five to six servings of fruits or vegetables every day. You know that. We eat burgers and fries. How many of you eat six to seven servings of fresh vegetable, vegetables or fruit every day? Some of you do. Most of us don't. We know that we should have a budget. That we should decide what our priorities are. Priorities ought to be God, family, work, you know, whatever, all right. And the budget should actually, you know, reflect that. We know we should have a budget. Because if we don't have a budget, we're going to spend money in areas that we really don't want to and that don't have much value, okay? We know we should have a budget. How many of us do it? We humans have a terrible tendency to know things but not do it. And I think that's the reality why Paul, here in this chapter, is going to mention four things, and we all know them. Now, the first one is in verse, uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 13. But we ought, <laughs> see, we really should do this, he's saying. We ought always to what? Thank God. To thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. And then to thank God, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. What should we do to get ready for Christ's return? We should give thanks. Now, why does Paul tell them to do it when they already know that? Simple. Most of us do more griping than giving thanks. How many of this week, how many of you this week, like me, complained about the weather? Oh, some of you aren't being honest, okay? All right. It's too hot. It's too humid. All right. Just be thankful you don't live in, in sub Sahara Africa or Sahara Africa. Okay. You, then you know what really hot is. How many of us complain about the government? Politicians. How many of you complained about your job? I didn't do this one. I work with such wonderful people. There's no complaints, all right? I really didn't, okay? But how many of you complained about your job? Because your job really, really is hard, okay? See, we, we it's a lot easier to gripe than give thanks. If you want to get ready, for Jesus Christ returned and give thanks to God. Why? And he lists all these things. Give thanks to God for loving us. Even if no one else seems to love you. The most important person in the universe loves you. The Almighty. Thank, give thanks to God for choosing us to be saved. 
last week, uh, Pastor Mike walked us through this first chapter of chapter 2. Do you, do you remember the main point of, of the first part of chapter 2? That God is going to judge and destroy the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, uh, along with those who follow him. Instead of following Jesus, Paul thanked God that he had chosen the Thessalonians and the Sarasotans for his undeserved grace and mercy to save us from that. Thank God. Third, for sanctifying us. <laughs> the word sanctification, we, we don't use that. And it, it really doesn't sound very exciting. You know, sanctification, it kind of ry all rhymes with operation and ablation and all those surgery things, okay? And, and who wants that, okay? But do you know what sanctification is? Well, first off, it means being set apart to God, set apart for God. Before you can walk through the security gate at the airport, you have to show your ID. Well, friend, before you walk through heaven's gates, you're going to have to show your ID. And I want to tell you, Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 12, that to many has received me, he says, God gives the right to become his children. That's your spiritual ID, all right? Do you have a spiritual birth certificate that says, God, your heavenly Father, you do if you're following Jesus? We should give thanks. We should give thanks for, for God sanctifying us, setting us apart to him. We're God's. We're not Satan's. We're not the world's. We're not our own. We're God's. We're almighty God's. We give thanks. That's what it means to be sanctified. But it also means to become more and more like Jesus every day. A process of becoming more like him. You see, that's God's number one goal for you and for me. To be conformed to the image of his son. To be more and more like Jesus. In verse 13 here, he says, We become more like Jesus through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and, they go together, through belief in the truth. You see, we become more like Jesus by obeying the Holy Spirit of God who tells us to do the Word of God. And we become more like Jesus in the process. Verse 14, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in, get this, share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank God because we thank God for sharing his glory with us. Now, when I read that, I thought, well, wait a minute. Didn't God say in the Old Testament that I will not share my glory with another? Yeah. I'm thinking, well, how does that go together? And I think it's this. God is not going to share his glory with any other false god, but he wants to share it with you as his children. Did you want to share everything you had with your children? So does God. Even his glory, he wants to share with us. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, we read, God calls you into his, Jesus' kingdom and what? And glory. You're going to share the glory of God one day in his heaven. Give thanks. Give thanks to God. If you really want to get ready for the Lord's return, give thanks to God and give thanks for others. That's what he says. Paul is, 
thanking the Thessalonians for, for them. He's, he's thanking God for them. And, and friend, that's what God calls Christians to do. To build each other up instead of tearing each other down. The world tears down people. <laughs> Our role is to build people up. <laughs> in, in prayer meeting last Wednesday night, uh, Ken and Diane uh, shared how a, a repairman showed up at their house in the, in the afternoon. And uh, unfortunately, he was very cranky. Uh, and they found out why he'd spent uh, the morning in, a, in an attic, you know, doing some repairs. And I mean, he was not a happy camper, all right? Well, uh, Ken ran and hid in the TV room, and uh, <laughs> Diane went into the TV room and said, Ken, you go make him happy. <laughs> and Ken's good at that, isn't he? All right? And, and Diane helped him. And they just loved on this guy and, and told him what a great job he was doing and all this. And, and oh, you know what? His whole attitude changed. And God spoke to that man. And, and I'm sure he knows that they're Christ followers. Why? They gave thanks. They built somebody up. Instead of tearing down the repairman like we're so prone to do. You're five minutes late. This has been going, yeah, I'm come for two months. Give thanks. Give thanks for others. Build them up. Verse 15, so then, he keeps going. Brothers and sisters, here's the second thing. Stand firm. And hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you. What Jesus taught us, we're teaching you. Whether by word of mouth, whether he taught this when we were there with you, or now through this letter, he's saying, stand firm, hold on. You see, we, we said someone claiming to be Paul had sent the Thessalonians a letter saying Christ already came. And they missed it. <laughs> they got left behind. Is that true? No. And Christian, every day you're going to hear things that aren't true about God, that are not true about life. You're going to hear hundreds of lies about God, about e your eternity. You're going to hear them on TV. You're going to hear them on social media. You're going to hear them on the job. So what can we do <laughs> for end times, everyday living? So then, stand firm. Verse 15, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings of God that have been passed on to you. Stand firm. Stand firm instead of standing down. Christian, we, we live in a world, and the world is telling us to stand down. The world is telling us, hey, uh, you know, you shouldn't be teaching all that stuff that the Bible says, that God's Word says. That's not very nice. That's not politically correct. Okay? 
Now, I'm not saying we not, should not be nice, that we should not be gracious, but we should not be surrendering the truths of God's Word. We should hold on to them instead of letting go. And that's what the world did. Pressures us to do away with some of the very clear teachings of God's Word. That's not going to be good for us. That is not going to be what a Christ followers do. And let me just give you an example. An example from chapter 2. You see, uh, a lot of churches will avoid saying anything about God's judgment. Does the Bible say anything about God's judgment? Did Jesus say anything about hell, which is an eternal separation from God? Yeah. And why did Jesus do that? Because he wanted to condemn people? No, because he wanted to rescue them, because he warned them. All right. If you saw a blind man walking toward a cliff, would you warn them? Of course you would. Stand firm to the truth of God's word. Hold on. And, and we know that. But it's not easy to do. We, we don't like to do it. But we need to stand firm instead of stand down. Want to be ready for Christ's return? Stand firm to the teachings of God's word. Verse 16, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and, and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Okay, see there we're talking about when we believe the word of God, we start doing the word of God it results in good deeds and words and he's saying be encouraged you want to get ready for the lord's return be encouraged by the lord rather than being discouraged by the world did you get discouraged by the world this week i guess if you were listening what do we do when we get discouraged by, the, by listening to the world? We need to get back to listening to the Word, the Word of God. That's the eternal truth. And verse 17 tells us to be strengthened for doing good things and saying good things instead of being weak and to do nothing at all. Stand firm. Let's move on to the third one. We find that in, in chapter 3. All right, chapter 3, verse 1. is for other matters. Okay, there's something else, brothers and sisters, you need to do. Pray. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray. Pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not everyone has faith. What should we be doing for end times, everyday living? We should be praying passionately. Praying passionately. If you love someone, you want to talk to them. We love God. We want to talk to them. And here Paul encourages us. He challenges us. He tells us, 
pray for others and not just yourself. Hey, we're going to pray for ourselves. <laughs> pray for others. See, see, Paul's asking them to pray for him. And, and they probably thought, well, wait a minute, Paul, you're the spiritual giant. You know, I, you need to pray for me. Now he says, well, yeah, I, I am praying for you, but you need to pray for me. Pray for others, not just yourself. Pray for the spread of the gospel. Starting right in your own family. Right among your coworkers, right with your classmates. Start, start right where you are, praying for the spread of the gospel there. Praying that the good news, that somehow you'll be able to say the good news, that, that somehow someone in your office is going to talk about that or ask you a question or something, that your family, that you talk about God's word as you're, as you're with a, your family. Pray for the spread of the gospel right in your own circle. Right in your own community. That's why we're doing uh, Uncommon Kids this week. That's why we have mentors and Bible clubs and, and, and the coffee ministry and, and uh, uh, Alliance Kids and Alliance Youth and Windshape Camp. See, we want to get the good news out. It's not just for us. Good news is to be shared. Pray that we'll share it. Starting right in our own right in our own city, but not stopping there. Go to the ends of the earth. And that's what we at Alliance do. <laughs> we send workers. This, the past three months, we've had the privilege of hearing uh, kids that grew up here at Sarasota Alliance, and, and now they're serving the Lord around the world. It's exciting. That's, that's our mission. That's our calling. Pray. Pray for those people. Pray for our own Sarasota Alliance ministers. Pray for the ones who come and report to us. Jesus told his followers before he left, after his resurrection, he said to his followers, he said, I'm going back to heaven. I'm not abandoning you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm getting the kingdom of God ready for you. And I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to live in you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I am coming back again. And did you know that Jesus told exactly when he's coming? In Matthew chapter 24, when the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread to the whole world, then the end will come. When we've carried out our mission, when we've been faithful to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, then Jesus is going to say, okay, it's time. I'm coming. We get ready for Christ's return by spreading the gospel. Ourselves, in our circle, and sending others to do it as well. And, and church, we need a sense of urgency about this. People Jesus died for or dying without him. Jesus calls us to spread the gospel. Oh, I don't know how we can do that. We can because of what it says in verse 3, the Lord is faithful. He's going to enable us to do it. He told us to do it. He'll enable us if we do it. The Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen you. And he'll also protect you from the evil one. Now, there's something else we should be praying 
pray for. Pray for protection from the evil one. Okay? Uh, You know the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Jesus said we should pray and deliver us from what? Evil. Literally, it says, deliver us from the evil one. The evil one. The one who rebelled in heaven against God's authority and sovereignty, Satan himself, and leads others as well. Pray for protection from the evil one. Your mortal enemy. Do you know you have a mortal enemy? Uh, Some of you are falling asleep, so let me shift gears here, all right? Um, I'm going to find out how many of you know about superheroes because all superheroes have a mortal enemy, right? Okay. I had to look some of these up. I don't know all these. But Mike's going to show some. Who is this? That's Lex Luthor. Is that right? Yeah. And he was the mortal, he is the mortal enemy of Superman. That's right. Some of you haven't been reading your comics. You have not been studying your comics like you should have been. Okay. All right, next one. All right. Who's this? The Joker, the mortal enemy of Batman. Okay. All right, the next one is, is it, do you know who this is? Sinestro. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Sinestro, he's the mortal enemy of the Green Lantern. Okay, very good. You've been doing your homework. Thank you. All right. Very good. If you want to know anything about comics, there she is right there. Donna, all right? Okay, the next one. Do you know who this is? Dr. Sinvano, who's the mortal enemy of Captain America. Okay? See, you thought you weren't going to learn anything today. All right. Okay. All right, and then we got one more more sworn enemy. Yeah. (laughs) I asked permission for this. Now, you know that Mike has a sworn enemy, Tom Brady, right? You knew that. He, he's, he's, he's out there with it. He, you knew that, okay? Tom Brady, okay? All right, sworn enemy, okay? All right, now just a little bit of humor uh, there uh, to, uh, because some of you fall asleep, and I don't, I don't blame you, okay? I've, I've fallen asleep in a sermon before. Uh, it was really bad when I was doing the speaking, but, uh, and so may, I hope it's a little bit funny, okay. But actually, I wanted to get to a point that's deadly serious. That friend, you have a, a mortal enemy. You, there is a being called Satan who led a rebellion against God. And he knows he's condemned to an eternal separation from God in everything good. And his only joy is to try to take you with him in that rebellion. 
And that's the ultimate battle. The enemy of your eternal soul. And that's why you should pray. <laughs> pray for protection for you, your family, your fellow Christ followers, your church, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray. Pray. Passionately. Passionately. Verse 4. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do these four things. He says, he writes. And so, doing that, may the Lord direct your heart into God's love and Christ's perseverance. And there's the fourth thing. Friend, be strengthened. <laughs> be strengthened for the strength of God. When you feel weak, be strengthened in the strength of God. When you know you should do something right and you just don't feel like you can, God is going to give you the strength. When you don't feel like you have any power on your own and you cannot accomplish anything that has eternal value, remember that God has called you to that and he will do it in and through you if you're a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be strengthened with a protection promised by our faithful Lord and with a perseverance that comes from Jesus Christ. His perseverance, when you, when you feel like giving up, you remember him in the garden where he wanted to give up, but he would not. And because of that, you have the pr a promise of eternal life. You see, Paul knew how easy it is for us Christians to get discouraged. Paul knew how easy it, it is for us to start believing all the stuff that we hear on TV and social media that's contrary, totally contrary to God's Word. Paul knew that. And so Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. And you see, we, we tend to focus on, on, on the world around us. We tend to focus on what we want. And forget about what God wants. And the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming again for his bride. Who's his bride? You are. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're his bride. He's coming for his church. He's coming for his Christ followers. And, and friend, that, that, that's the... That is the theme of First and Second Thessalonians. That's the theme of God's Word. That God is working. He's building a kingdom. Jesus Christ is preparing a place for His followers. And all come to that perfect and final conclusion when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. When all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And He'll reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Are we getting ready for the ultimate reality? Are we doing in times, everyday living for our Lord? When our boys were uh, young and still home in school, uh, we had planned to drive up to Pennsylvania uh, after the Christmas Eve service uh, to be with Donna's parents uh, between Christmas and New Year's. 
And uh, unfortunately, uh, right before Christmas, uh, Donna's father, uh, Frank, uh, suffered kidney failure, and from which he never recovered. So we went up, and there are, of course, things that uh, Donna first to be with him, but then there were many things that Donna wanted to do with, uh, to help her mom and to take care of things that needed to be taken care of. And she took care of a lot of things, but there was a lot to do, and she felt like she needed to stay. And so uh, Josh and Seth and I drove home without her, and, and she stayed to, to take, take care of things, to get ready, help them get ready for what was ahead for them. And then she scheduled a flight when she thought, well, that would be a good time to come home. And, uh, you know, it was right for her to be up there, but I, I really missed her. And, and I couldn't wait for the day to get back. And I uh, couldn't wait, you know, for the flight. I was checking on that flight. And I just couldn't, I, ju I just would picture, you know, you, you go to the airport and you're standing there and then there's the gate coming from the plane and all the passengers are streaming out. And, you know, you're looking, looking, looking for the one you're looking for. And, and, and that's what I was doing. And I saw her break through the crowd. Christian, do we have that kind of anticipation for Jesus Christ coming for us? Uh, because Donna was coming home, I got everything ready. I did the dishes. <laughs> cleaned the house. Took a shower. Uh, you know, all those things I neglected. All right, all right. I got ready. Because I knew she was coming. Christian, you know Jesus Christ is coming. Let's get ready. Let's do the things we know we should do, but take, they're a little hard. And we don't always enjoy them, and we squeeze them out of our life because all the other stuff we do. Let's get ready. He's coming. Dear Father, thank you that uh, you've got this all under control world's out of control. It's not out of your control, though. We don't have control. We can't change things. We can't change other people. You never want us to. Jesus Christ is going to do that. He's king. We'll be forever and ever. And dear Lord, you've told us. <laughs> you've told us that. Because you love us. Because you want us in your heaven. You, you want us to follow <laughs> your son through those gates. And that's the only way to get through them. The gates of heaven. That's the only way by following Jesus. Oh God, we just praise you. You're awesome. And we can't earn our way there. All you ask us to do admit we're sinners. That we can't be good enough to earn our way to heaven. 
All you ask us to do is to follow your son, Jesus. He knows the way. He is the way. You ask us to obey, to trust you. Trust you enough to obey you. That, that what you tell us to do is the best thing we could do. And so, Father, we want to get ready. We want to be ready. And help us, Lord. And while your heads bow. When was the day that uh, you looked up in the face of God and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know you sent your son Jesus to die for sinners. And, and I'm one. Oh, God, would you let Jesus be my Savior? Would you help me to follow him instead of following the world, instead of following what seems popular or politically correct? Would you help me to follow Jesus in my life? It's the best thing I could do. God, would you help me? Friend, when was the day you did that? If there's never been a day, God brought you here so today could be the day. So he could write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. So he could give you a new ID. A new birth certificate. Saying you were born again. By the Spirit of Jesus. And he lives inside you. Friend, do it today. And then Christ follows Let's get ready. The next greatest event in your life is not getting a job, it's not getting married, it's not getting a new house, it's not getting retired. It's getting to see Jesus. So let's get ready. Father, thank you. You'll help us. In Jesus' name, amen.